We're still in the shed. We haven't moved since last episode. You wouldn't believe how cold it gets at night in here, but that's the way it is. We ship stuff in. We talk about the cost of Uber Eats a little bit here because that's an option we're going to have to stop exercising quite as often. Too much. But uh, here we are still anyways. It's another quite pleasant day outside. We have another bunch of fun stuff to talk about. So stick with us. Here we go. Speaking of lawyers. Jesus. I visited a lawyer recently. What for? Go on. Are you stealing one of my money-making ideas and wanting to know whether you can get away with it? Is I that need what to it was? batten down the hatches and be ready. Yeah. For use of your money-making idea. Yeah. That's no, funny. I mean, listeners to this podcast may have heard the episode in which I said that I'm going to renounce my U.S. citizenship. The renunciation. The renunciation, they, they call it. I, I'm imagining a Renaissance painting. It's capital. Entitled The Renunciation. Capital R. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to renounce my renunciation date is March 21st. Well, that's right around, that's what, tomorrow? That's day after tomorrow. It's very exciting. Very soon, yeah. It's like Christmas. Every day I think how many more sleeps. (laughs) It's pretty wild. Well, tell me now, not seriously. Like, are you for some reason really looking forward to this or is it just like, I've been screwing around with this for so long now, it's going to be a giant relief to get it over. No, no, I'm looking forward to it. I really want it to happen. Like once it's done. You'll be a new man. It'll be just a giant weight off your shoulders. Yeah, it'll be a load off my mind. I want to get renounced um, for reasons that, you know, I'll explain shortly. But I wanted to talk to you about the experience because I don't know how often, I mean, I know you guys must have both dealt with lawyers from time to time. (laughs) Twice my whole life, maybe. Yeah, KJ, you? That you want to talk about, I mean? (laughs) No. Oh, that's pretty nice. No, you would have dealt with a lawyer for house stuff. Oh, for buying houses, probably. No. Oh, even for that, you probably used notary publics, right? Yeah, or... Or the realtor get it Or just the realtor doing... I had... What about... No, I had a notary for Will. I think it was just real estate stuff that I had to actually, when I sold my you house. two divorces. Rent, did you use a lawyer for either No, just did that on our own. So you've used it just for a real estate transaction. Yeah. As far used as I can it, remember. Used them, I guess. Used a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. A lawyer. And it was pretty brief. It was come in, sign this, and then we'll deposit your money. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Oh, I did. I worked on the um, discipline committee of the actors union and was involved with a lawyer doing that. So from time to time, you would work with a lawyer in that capacity. Yeah. Right. And PJ and I, I don't know, you probably did. I, at, at work, I, I dealt with lawyers both. Oh yeah. At WCB work, and ICBC. Yeah. Contract stuff. Yeah. Somebody, you know, contract for software or whatever you would, Yeah. you would, uh, go see the lawyer and they would tell you what about that agreement you should push back on and what about that right, agreement right. you should. And so apologies to our extensive um, legal listener base, but lawyers are nerds by and large. Well, the lawyer I worked with at ICBC was awesome. I won't say her name just because it's maybe not the right thing to do, but she was not nerdy and she really knew her stuff. It was always a pleasure actually working with her. In general, not so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember it. Uh, WCB, I had to deal with a lawyer on a software purchase and I walked into his office and he had a full size replica of himself. Just like you, KJ, Hmm. (laughs) only it was just a picture of himself in a suit and that was fine. Had he run for office or something? What was that about? I have no idea. 
but I remember distinctly because there's that there was that whole thing. It's not there that much anymore, but in the old days, if you talked as a technology person and you used a little too much jargon or whatever, you would get kind of spat at almost like he was quite rude. But I basically turned at him and I started talking down to him like crazy. I just totally enjoyed the interaction. I said, well, think of it as buying a house. You know, software is an asset. Think of a house as an asset. What would you do if you were buying a house? And I just worked him over. And by the time, I just felt so good walking out of there and I, he was no longer a problem. But I just like the lawyers that I've dealt with have largely not been great. This lawyer is excellent. I got in my mind, like I, I contracted with him. Everything was done remote during COVID. I got in my mind that he would have been 55, gray hair, fairly assertive and bossy like lawyers tend to be. Yeah. So as part of the contract, it's fixed price. He applies to the U.S. consulate for the renunciation. And there's like six forms involved. He tells me everything I need and I email everything to him. And then he includes that in the package, things like birth certificate, passport, Nexus card, a couple other things. So he takes care of all that end. And then as part of the contract, there's a brief conversation before I go to the consulate. So this was the reason I met with him about a week and a half ago. And so anyway, I walked in there. The guy was young, let's say 35, maybe. And super personable, really easy to talk to, very friendly, had all the time in the world for me, you know, because I got it in my mind that he was going to try and, Hey, wait a minute, this is a fixed price contract. You know, mm. I said, we'd have a brief conversation. You seem to be asking a lot of questions because there is a lawyer in Toronto who specializes in this stuff that I did talk to on the cell phone. Cause I was thinking of, you know, contracting with him. And the conversation went 10 minutes and he got really short and gruff with me towards the end of it. Like, you know, are you going to sign or not? That kind of, yeah. that kind of conversation. Like, I don't want to tell you too much for free here. It was just yeah. an unpleasant exchange. Yeah. This guy was complete opposite, keeping in mind that I'd already paid him. Yeah. And you just know that the guy who was short and gruff <clears throat> has had a lifetime of people just trying to get free information, just don't want to pay. Could be. But he's short and gruff anyway. He's got a lot of YouTube videos and he's really snarky. He just doesn't seem. Oh, so uh, he's just a jerk. Yeah, well, he's super opinionated as well, which I don't know. Do you want that in a lawyer? Actually, truth be told. Maybe you do. If I can avoid dealing with lawyers, that's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> well, just because it's never good. Well, I guess if you won the lottery and you wanted to find out how to deal with it, that would be maybe a nice occasion to see a lawyer. But <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, he was quite good to deal with, and uh, maybe we'll end up shortening that to just that sentence. I don't really know. Uh, and he told me some interesting stuff. When you think, I'm going to go to the consulate to renounce, what what do you envision happening at the consulate? Like, I just, I don't know. Hmm? When you say consulate, it's just like the World Emoji Council. It's the same thing in my head. I just imagine guys up on a really high bench with robes and severe <laughs> overhead lighting. I just think it's some, some ridiculous construction about authority and untouchability, you know? Well, maybe I have something similar, not quite the same, but I envision going in there. There's a fairly nice table we sit at. 
there's a consul who's very experienced and maybe a younger assistant who sits beside him and retrieves papers and stuff. And maybe in the background by the coffee machine, there's going to be a couple CIA operatives, you know, like (laughs) you've seen so many movies and stuff. What's, what goes on at those consulates? Who knows? You know, you're going to go through great big iron doors, maybe, you know, they're going to open for you. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be some Mercedes's and maybe a Rolls in the drive, right? <laughs> a Toyota Century. It's funny, you know, cause I just have never, I obviously, given everything you just said, which all kind of makes sense in terms of things you see in the movies, it's clear I've never even thought about what it would be like to go into i have no all the stuff you said yeah no you might yeah yeah there's probably a metal detect yeah no there's probably some functionaries around looking functional what's the difference between a consulate and an embassy exactly there's two different things right are you're kidding i was gonna guess they were the same thing no and i think kj is on to something i think the embassy is where you see the rolls royces and you know they hold parties and it's quite, you know, quite elaborate and they need to, they essentially lobbyists in a sense in the, in the yeah. country. Yeah. Um, the consulate I think is more for servicing us citizens it's abroad. The business. Yeah. And so you're right. And that, that explains what the lawyer told me, which is here's the thing. So you're going to show up 20 minutes early for your appointment. You're going to get into security. Do not bring any electronics with you. That means no phone. And I said, oh, I guess no air tag either, because I got an air tag in my in my mm. bag. He goes, yeah, you're right. No, don't bring an air tag in there either. They're going to scan for all that. You're going to show up. Once you've cleared security, you're going to go into a waiting area. You'll probably tell a receptionist what you're there for, and they'll confirm that you have an appointment. You go in a waiting area. Then you're going to get called into a room with a whole bunch of kiosks. So you're going to walk up to like a teller kiosk and he said it's, it can be quite distracting and unnerving because there's going to be people just four feet away on either side of you having really serious conversations with the people that they're talking to. Cause you know, why are you going to go talk to the consulate? There's going to be a number of reasons, some of which might be a little yeah. heavy duty, right? And yeah. probably every conversation's heavy, like renouncing's heavy duty, right? So anyway, um, he said that conversation will be five or 10 minutes long. And by the way, you might be thinking you're showing up to see if they will let you renounce. You have a right to renounce. They don't have any say in the matter. They're going to ask you why you're renouncing. And the real reason they're asking you most likely, you know, unless they're a, a jerk is just to make sure that you're not renouncing for the wrong reasons, because it's a ser- very serious thing to renounce is irrevocable. You can't go back on that. You're losing 12 different things. And the lawyer had me read through those 12 things because they're going to make me sign that document with the 12 things I'm losing. So he says the main reason they're there for is just to protect you. You're a U.S. citizen still. The consulate's job is to help U.S. citizens. That's what they get rewarded for. And part of that is if you if you renounce for the wrong reasons, you lose... Like right now, I could say, Sue, what do you think? Should we, let's move to California. It's a place you ought to be. And as long as Sue agrees with me, we'll drive down. We'll go through the Nexus lineup. They might not even ask us why we're going down. 
they don't normally for Nexus. Although, you know, if we're, we got the truck loaded up, <laughs> they might ask a few questions, but they have no say in the matter. Really? I'm a U.S. citizen. That's why they often will say, welcome home, Mr. Tench, when I drive through. I lose all that. I always wondered why, when I'm on my own, they never ask how long you're staying, heading down for. But when Sue's in the car, they'll often ask, how long are you heading down for? Yeah. Because uh, as a U.S. citizen, who cares how long I'm heading down for? long as I want. Yeah, as long as I want. But they have the six-month treaty, you know. I think it's bi-directional, but certainly... As a Canadian, you can't stay down there for longer than six months. Oh. So the snowbirds always come back. Yeah. I can't get out of my head a Renaissance painting of some sort. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> the renunciation. Well, yeah. And so this guy, well, is it like a doctor's office and you're getting an appointment because this is a space for you because there is a space for this appointment now? I mean, assuming that there's going to be people four feet away from you means that it's going to be a busy day in there. Do we just assume that every day is a busy day in there? I think so. And I applied 18 months ago. That's, oh. that's how far backed up they are. Oh. Because during COVID, they actually completely shut down for a while. And then for a while, Vancouver was the only place you could renounce in all of Canada. People would actually travel to some European or Middle East country just to get to the consulate there. Cause you don't have to go to the Canadian consulate to renounce, right. even though you're Canadian, um, you can renounce pretty well anywhere because you're an American, right? Although they, they started closing <laughs> that up because it got a little too much for some little Peruvian, you know, mm. consulate there. If you renounce, does that mean you can never, ever again, even apply for American citizenship? If you renounce, you could apply for a green card just like anybody else. I think it would be harder to get citizenship. Yeah, you would think they would say, no, you renounce, screw you. You would think that. But I just wondered if they had a rule that just said, if you renounce, it's forever. You can't even apply. Just don't even think about it. It's never going to happen. Yeah, well, it's all pretty fascinating. So anyway, I have to bring an express post envelope. Because they're going to ship me a certificate of loss of nationality. And it'll take one or two months. The lawyer gave me one. It's all ready to go. Will you frame that and put it in a little shrine with incense and an orange or two and ring a little bell and say a little prayer for your... I'll certainly take a photo of it. I'm not sure when I'll need to use it, if ever. Jeez, yeah, that's a thing. Like, what? why would you... Yeah, there might be um, circumstances. So if you're, for example, if you're overseas and they want to deport you, um, they can look at, like my passport says I was born in the States. They may find it far more convenient to deport me to the U.S. than to Canada. Yeah. And they will deport me. And And it says right in that list of 12 things, it says, just so you're aware, other countries might decide that they don't care whether you renounce, they're going to deport you to the U.S. So anyway, there's stuff like that. And if that happened, I guess you're in limbo. You're in the U.S. You're not a U.S. citizen. But they must have an extra, they must have some sort of agreement with Canada anyways about stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know how it all works. Because even if you weren't originally a U.S. citizen, they probably would still possibly choose to deport you to the U.S. I will become an alien and thereby lose the right to cross the border. Or even move down anytime I want. They warn you that you could become stateless if you're not already a citizen. So they really don't want you to renounce if you don't have another citizenship. To be clear, though, like no Canadian citizen 
has the right to cross the border. Right. That's correct. Yeah. I just become just another, you're an alien as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I should have said. Here's an interesting one. Renouncing may not affect my military or selected service status. So I'm just hoping that the U S doesn't introduce a Russian style draft where they get the old 60 year old guys out there fighting. I still can't violate U S law. Bummer. I was hoping the renunciation would mean party on dude. <laughs> I still could get extradited to the U S if I broke a U.S. law. Yeah, but so could I. Right. And Canada is highly unlikely to extradite anyone unless it's a pretty, like if you went down there and robbed somebody or certainly if there was a violent crime, then Canada might extradite a citizen, but there's probably a whole raft of reasons why they would say, no, we're not going to. Yeah. First among which would be our legal systems are pretty parallel and penal systems are pretty parallel. So we'll just deal with it here. This one's another interesting one. I will not be able to transmit U.S. nationality to children born after the act of renunciation. Right. So if you've already had kids, they got maybe U.S. citizenship. They don't have it, but they could actually still apply for it by virtue of having been born to a U.S. citizen. Yes, there you go. But now once this thing is done on March 22nd, it's over. All your future children All my future are just whatever, not Exactly. American. So soon I do have to have a serious conversation about that. I don't know if you've made this clear to it. You better. And the final thing on that list of 12 is renouncing is extremely serious and irrevocable. Irrevocable. Right. Yeah. That's good to know. Like if one to 11 <laughs> didn't make that clear somehow, let's just say it right. Maybe they should put number 12 first. First off, just so you know, this is serious and irrevocable. So everything I say after this, this is it. So listeners, you might be wondering why I'm renouncing. So I, I just don't want to have to worry about what kind of rules does an American citizen have to be aware of? Those rules change over time. Do I have to be aware of all those rules? Do I have to renew a passport? I don't have a passport yet. Do I have to get a passport? The Americans don't seem to like it when I cross into the U.S. without a U.S. passport. They keep asking me, why do you have your Canadian passport? I just don't want the headache. I'd be focused on the draft. I don't want to get drafted, although it may not affect my selective service status. But anyway, that's, listeners, that's that's why. And, and you may, might not consider that sufficient. There are some benefits to being an American, but I just have no interest in being an American anymore. I think, you know, when you get to a certain age, you get to do stuff out of just crankiness. You get to say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this dual whatever. It's worth, I don't know how many hours of running around in circles and dealing with bureaucrats to not have to think about this dual whatever crap. What countries might receive me well and might not if they find out that I'm half American. So I'll be handing over my Nexus card. Oh. My Nexus card says I'm a U.S. citizen, something I wasn't aware of until I started this whole process. Mm-hmm. I never read the fine print. So your Nexus card has been extra Nexus. Like my Nexus card, which is expired, get me into the fast lineup, but yours probably goes into the, he's in the fast lineup 
and he's in America and just wave this guy through. Don't even ask him the nexus level questions. Yeah, it's probably more quickly going down than coming up. Yeah, it's like super, super nexus. But the other direction is probably a little bit slower than you. No, because the Canadian guys probably just don't care that much. Hmm. That's not true. The Canadian guys that I've dealt with are just as enamored of asking you a lot of questions and treating you like you're doing some crime as the American guys are. For the longest time when I crossed going down to the U.S., they would say, why are you not carrying a U.S. passport? Yeah, you mentioned that. And I'd say, uh, I don't know. You know, people have been telling me I am a U.S. citizen, but just because friends tell me that... (laughs) doesn't mean I am. I've never had an official U.S. person tell me I'm a U.S. citizen, meaning a consul yeah. or someone from the State Department some of, or, or a letter officially telling me this. So I don't know. I mean, if you're saying I probably am, then I probably am, but I don't really know. And then they go, whatever, and they just wave me through, right? But part of the time I've been answering with that, I've been carrying a Nexus card that says I'm a yeah, U.S. citizen. Yeah. So. This is a fine print. <laughs> it doesn't say Super Nexus in big letters. So anyway, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to have to deal with that. So uh, I will show them, you know, the originals of my Canadian passport, that certificate of registration of birth abroad, my state-issued birth certificate, which you might remember is not the same as a hospital issued birth yeah, certificate. So I won't, I won't bring the one in with my cute little footprint that came from the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you'll start getting, oh, Mr. Tench, you renounced. So what are you thinking of coming back to the state? You know, they'll start grinding you because you've renounced. I will also, and this is what it all comes down to, sign the affirmation and oath of renunciation of nationality of United States. So after I've done all the paperwork, I'll proceed to the cashier where they accept credit cards. <laughs> you guys probably don't remember how much I'm paying to renounce. No, I don't. Let me put it this way. They are literally worse than Ticketmaster. <laughs> uh, okay, you're going to have to spell that out further for me. When the renunciation wave started, which is about 15 years ago, maybe 10, It was when the U.S. started to make a big deal out of tax requirements that U.S. guys had to pay. There was suddenly a wave of renunciations, like $43 U.S. for the processing cost. They don't like it when a whole bunch of people renounce. For one reason, they just, the Americans have that whole sense of pride about, there's no better place in the world. Who Who would want to renounce? There's a whole thing. There's a whole ego trip about it. So they started bumping up the price time after time after time. The last bump up was maybe seven or eight years ago. This is in U.S. dollars, guys. This is what I'm paying. $2,800. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. In Canadian dollars, what is that? $28, No, it's more than that. That's a 3, ton of money. And you know what that makes me think? Makes me think that in spite of everybody's protest to the contrary, they're quite aware that there's a financial incentive for all these people. Yep. And the rules say you can't renounce for tax purposes. That's not a valid reason. Right. But they know that's exactly why they're doing it. Hence the constant increase in the cost. Yeah, that's why those people are doing it. Yes. Sorry. Not me, of course. No, not you. You're pure. <laughs> Unblemished. The driven snow. Um, that is quite interesting. After that appointment's over, the State Department, which is part of the consulate, is going to notify Homeland Security immediately. 
right? <laughs> your persona non taxa. And you no, cut that. Homeland Security's got nothing. They don't notify the IRS, I don't think, but they notify Homeland Security, which is part what Customs and Border Control is part of Homeland Security. So the next time I cross, I should be treated like a normal Canadian, even though it says I was born in the U.S. Or they might say, so you a U.S. citizen? Innocent little question, right? So you got to answer that question correctly because typically they don't try and entrap you like this. But if you actually said, yes, I am, then they could say, well, you're no longer welcome in this country because you're lying to me and you can't represent yourself as a U.S. citizen. I wonder if they would just bundle you off into a room someplace and say, <laughs> you know. Or they might get asked, you know, why I renounced. Or well, that's what At I the think. border? They could. Yeah, that's what I think. They're going to start, they're going to go from hassling you about not having your U.S. passport to hassling you about why you renounced. They shouldn't, actually. They shouldn't, but. They shouldn't, but that doesn't mean, you know, border guys can ask pretty well anything they want to, Right. Or he said, they might not notice the flag on my files. They might actually think I'm an American, but you know, that that's fine. They can think I'm American, but if they ask, I got to make sure and tell them I'm not. He said, I might get similar questions from time to time for the rest of my life, but, but uh, most likely it's going to be the first time or two. They might have to kind of flag the file. Well, that'll be interesting. I look forward to your report. Back. Sue and I are going to do a practice trip down to Blaine. Because I'm going to Las Vegas for the foosball tournament April 12th, so I don't want to get, you know, yeah, yeah uh, all booked and prepared and then not able to cross and then for some them, crazy yeah, yeah. reason. Um, Nexus is going to get notified immediately, so hopefully I can apply for a new card. And in three to four weeks, I get my certificate of loss of nationality. Not much to it, eh? Just a quick Jeez. little renunciation. You know, in some countries, you just post a, a want ad. Yeah, you know, like an ad in the newspaper saying, I hereby renounce, uh. and you're done, right? Lost and found. That's it for my lawyer trip thing. That's pretty exciting, Rich. It's two sessions in a row where it's all about me. That's fine. <laughs> Moby and I have got to start having thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> my mind is like a great big field of snow. You know, it snowed two feet, and it's just sitting there. Wind's not blowing. You know, it wasn't that long ago here in the shed that we talked about, KJ, you talked about Mike Roscoe. We talked about the time that he came into, you, you skipped oh, school. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, this is a while back. You skipped oh. school. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he came in and and I think, you know, you talked at length about what a great guy he was, basically. We, we all liked him as a teacher, too. But I think you knew him from maybe curling or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you knew him from getting in trouble at school too. Like this might have come up around episode five when we were talking about Moby's is very open around the pool hall. Uh, yeah, perhaps because yeah. you were skipping and he and and then there was a pot thing and he was sort of saying, "Why do you make me do this? Like, why are you making me do this? Uh, why don't you just stop making me?" punish you for stupid stuff like this. Well, he saw one of the signs he had up on the wall that was a drug reference. Yeah, the um, keep on trucking guy in three panels as his face drooping. <laughs> I'm getting posters mixed up. But it's just, yeah. Uh, He's starting to melt or and something. It's, yeah, and it says stoned again. And, he, and literally, he walked around the hole. He didn't say anything when he came in. He walked around the whole pool hall, looked at the poster, and then just before, on the at the door on the way out, he turned around and said, stoned again, eh? <laughs> that was it. 
Yeah. Anyway, he's a great guy, and I guess you guys spotted the obituary. and Yeah. 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 Uh, obituary is quite an interesting read, too. He Wasn't it? did a bunch of stuff that I had no idea about. We yeah. were completely unaware of. Yeah. I didn't know he was a union activist guy, but it sure fits with the way he talked in social studies and the way he taught history. I did know that he was really active in curling. I knew that he was brother-in-law to Mr. Merkley, who lived in my neighborhood, but I didn't know he was a big fishing guy. I didn't know that he moved to the coast, all that stuff. I, I remember him showing us photos from Africa. Oh, right. Do you remember that? Yes. Uh, and he didn't he, the obituary say he went on to go back to Africa yeah, again yeah, after? Yeah, he awesome. had some sort of connection there with yeah. some... So what would he say to you if you were kind of anxious, say, to get a test result or something? Patience is a virtue cultivated in your garden, I yes. believe was the... Yes. Patience is a virtue cultivated in your garden. He would always say that. Yeah, was... I just liked him curling. Yeah, so you curled with him as well? Yeah, like we curled in high school and then we curled it for them, I think in men's league or against him. He was just fun. He's clearly enjoying himself and he was not... He didn't do mansplaining stuff. He was just encouraging and positive. He wasn't he, executing his authority. None of that. He was just curling with you. And yeah. he just wanted you to do well so that he could do well so that we could all do. He was just really fun to do that with for sure. I thought anyways, used to make me laugh when he's holding the broom and he would always, there was something he would always say. To encourage you to try and hit the broom, right? <laughs> you know, like he's holding it yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's asking you for four feet or something. And that's a lot of broom. And he would always say, I, I can't remember what it was now, but it used to make me laugh every time. Yeah. Because at that, certainly my whole curling career, it was like a crapshoot whether I was ever going to hit anything. <laughs> and he would always do it. So I don't curl. So what's four feet and a lot of broom oh, mean? So, so when you hold the broom, when that guy holds yeah. the broom for you to shoot at. That's going to be the trajectory. The initial trajectory yeah, is going to be straight at the broom. Yeah, when you release the rock, it should be aimed directly at the broom yeah. and you should throw it at a speed that allows it to curl yes. whatever distance. And you call that a lot of broom, that well, sideways he, movement? If, well, that's what I, I don't know what it's really called, but if it's supposed to move four feet... That's a long ways for it to curl. You have to throw just the right weight yes. for the rock to go that yeah. far. So I don't know if that's the right expression. That's why I said yeah. a lot of broom, but to me, that's what. Yeah, it's a lot of curl. It's a lot of slaughter. What would you say? Uh, no, I, I'll go with a lot of broom. A lot of broom. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Just has to move Because the broom's the target. That's a lot of broom. It's away from your yeah. your final target. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. yeah. So you got to be very careful with your weight. A little less, little less. Yeah, broom. Yeah. Less broom, more broom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and if you hold it close, you're just throw, supposed to throw a bomb, right? Right. You've got to really let that baby go or it's going to move yeah. too much and not go where you want. Yeah. Good guy though. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was born in 28, which was the same year as my mom. And I would never have put them together age wise. He's from a prairie guy. Eh? So he taught at Crow. I didn't know that. Yeah. He spent a year living in Kenya as a volunteer with a Canadian Harambee education society. There you go. That's pretty cool. Anyway, no, uh, um, Uncle Tim just turned um, 60 l last week, and so he had a little soiree, and the McKeever brothers were there, and geez. Steve Berman and Butsy from Oof. Simsy. Oh, wow. It's really quite funny. 
You know, it's funny. I didn't realize those guys were that much younger than me. Yeah. And so, and I said, uh, oh, I saw that, that Mike Roscoe died or whatever. And they, Mike Roscoe, Mike, and I'm thinking, what? Yeah. And they had, Sinclair was the vice principal. Was he? Yeah, which I didn't know. So that must have been right after we. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. John Mack. I, I I think Sinclair. Somebody said Sinclair, and but John Mack certainly was became vice principal, which I don't remember. I, must have been after we left the building, because yeah, and they never, they huh. barely didn't hear of Roscoe, which is really surprising to me. They anyway. weren't that far behind us. Well, six years. Yeah, yeah. So we would have been gone before they ever got in there. Yeah, Mister Roscoe, R.I.P. Yeah, thanks for the fish, that guy. The way he taught about history was the first inkling I ever had that maybe all was not as I had understood it with regard to the Americans ruling the world and the British being the benevolent masters of Canada. I, that's the first clue I ever had that maybe England wasn't Canada's best friend in the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just didn't know. So Sue goes for a walk every morning while I'm still sleeping. And, uh, so do I for that matter. Yeah, I think you do. Me too, probably. (laughs) Yeah. So back when there was some snow, you know, she, there's still a little bit of snow. There's certainly a lot of water coming down the streets. She sees a stack of envelopes. So she picks it up and these envelopes are for a couple different houses that are not on our block. They're undelivered mail. Are they bound with an elastic or anything? They were not but they were kind of stacked. And uh, this happened once about four or five years ago. She was walking on some faraway street. She found some undelivered mail. Anyway, so she, and, and they, they're all important. They're in this particular stack. There's no flyers and they're all CRA. They look like T5 slips. They're from banks. They're from the CRA themselves. There's, different stuff. It looks mostly, it looks like maybe bank statements, maybe CRA slips, maybe the kind of mail that says you better do something. Yeah. So she enlists my help and we go deliver them. She writes a little yellow sticky note on each of them saying, you know, we found those, these in our neighborhood and, uh, we're just returning them to you kind of thing. I think we rang one doorbell, but nobody came to the door. So the next day we're driving and Sue sees another stack on the other side of the street. So this time there's two stacks. There's one really neat stack of envelopes to six different houses, not on our block. One, one of them's on our block and there's some flyers as well. And in, in another stack and in the flyers, there's also some important mail. So she thinks, should we call the cops? We told the block watch people across the street, but first, so Sue talks to Canada post. She goes, we're not sure what's going on here. Like we, we got all kinds of theories. We're working theories and none of them, none of them are plausible. It's not adding up. See? Yeah. It's just not plausible. You know, like the male guys 
what's the mail person doing this? No, somebody's breaking into the community mailbox and taking them. I yeah, think. and we, we don't have community mailboxes. We have houses. Enough from your block. Each, each house has, including all six addresses, oh. have their own mailboxes. They're outdoor mailboxes, and they're not locking mailboxes. So, yeah, you're on to something. So Sue talks to Canada Post, and they said, oh, you, what this is happening more and more. What happens is people who are low on money, could be drug addicts or whatever, are hired by people to steal mail. And I think the people that hire them are probably identity thefts or if they get a credit card or whatever, then they can, you know, if it's a credit card, they could use the credit card for yeah. for a while, maybe activate it somehow. Um, I don't really know, but anyway, that's what's happening. And they'll get to a limit. They have a quota. This is the, the guy's theory anyway is, okay, they're going to get paid for a job. They got to turn in X envelopes and the, the, the low level street level person who's stealing the mail realizes they have too much and they're not going to get paid anymore. So they'll just, they just in, we, we can only imagine that they thought, well, if I neatly stack these here, somebody might return them to the people. Maybe they had a pang of guilt. So, uh, just a really weird thing overall. That That's is, I, I would have held them until the next like the guy that asked me to go boost the mail in the first place, isn't he going to just ask me again next week or the week after? And then I'd have a <laughs> pile all ready to go. Well, my theory is they move on because when you do that in a neighborhood, word gets around. Because, yeah. you know, Sue told the block watch captain that person will be talking to a number of people in the neighborhood and also their police representative. They'll mention that to the, because they chat with a cop once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I imagine that you move around from well, you neighborhood to neighborhood. You would, so yes, you would not steal mail from the same neighborhood two weeks in a row. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you are asked to produce 20 pieces of mail for somebody who's fishing and you'd accidentally sort of picked up 40, I'd give them a stack of 20 now and I'd give them a stack of 20 next week or whenever and just say. When you move on to a new neighborhood and hope that he doesn't notice that it was the old just give it to him and just say, well, you want to. I got a stack here that you haven't seen before. It's from that same neighborhood. Because yeah. if the issue is getting caught stealing it, absolutely. You don't want to go stealing in the same right. neighborhood again. But if yeah. the risk is everybody's going to know that well, there are certain threatened identities. I, I think when they're all the same houses, like it's the same houses repeated again, that you've already gotten far enough to either steal that identity or not. So there's no value in getting more from that person. So I think that's the idea. Okay. That makes better sense because you might take three pieces of mail from each of 20 houses. You only got to give 20 pieces to your guy. The rest of them are wasted because they're duplicate houses. This time I went around with her to all six houses and we rang the doorbells and we did, we did talk to people and explain what was happening. And most people were quite, quite thankful because here they are Hmm. getting critical mail that they wouldn't have gotten if we hadn't actually gotten it out of the gutter. But one of the houses had 15 different people and she told Canada post that as well. And he said, oh yeah, yeah. There's lots of houses where there are a lot of people living there. Like one, you know, one person in each room shared bathrooms, you know, yeah, great big houses. So, and then we got to that house and the mailbox was full and there was a cardboard box down below it and it was half full. So 
<laughs> it's kind of out of control, right? Yeah. Like whoever's living there is in a situation where they're not checking their mail regularly. And even if they do, they have to sift through everybody else's mail that just sits there forever. Yeah. Like that's kind of rough. It's a math house. They're making math in there. I don't know what they're doing. Skinny. Well, back when I used to live in Poco, <laughs> yes, there on. was a nice street, Ottawa. There was a house on one side of the street that a six-year-old would say, I think they're growing marijuana in that house. I mean, the house was just a racket at a big tottery fence all around it. Clearly nobody lived there full time, but there was people coming and going all the time. I mean, you know, it just looked really sus basically. But I used to help my kids deliver papers up and down that street and a bunch of others. And there were several houses on that block where they had what Rich just described, cardboard box outside, just full of the stupid, you know, tri-city news that I was delivering. And, you know, the odd piece of mail here and there. And you used to think, why don't you just put a big sign up? It says, burglars, no one is ever home here. Why don't you just have a big sign? Because this box full of unclaimed papers mm -hmm. tells me nobody's ever doing anything in this house. And, you know... Later that same year, two of those, two or three of those houses got seized and their owners prosecuted because they were meth labs. And the reason they got caught was because the byproduct of a gas of meth processing is this really horrible tarry substance that just plugged up the sewer main on that street. Oh. So when the city came to dig up the main, it's just like, what the bloody where and boom that was it right uh, and so now rich tells me the story about these guys and you sort of think well the difference is though the boxes in the house i'm talking about was just pretty much pure junk mail there was not actual what looked like correspondence going there mm -hmm. that yeah. i noticed any anyway. i mean yeah. i'm not pawing through the box i'm just thinking what a waste of time this is this one i rang the doorbell because we went there twice and i rang the doorbell twice and it had a ca little camera as well yeah but i thought and they didn't answer it. And I thought, when the doorbell rings, which of the 15 yeah. different people is this for anyway? So why yeah. would they ever answer the doorbell? Yeah. So the Canada Post person said that these thieves, they dress up as employees. So, oh, really? So, oh, well, they have the yellow vest. Yeah. Right. They probably don't have Canada Post logos, but enough that if you spot them on a security camera. Yeah, that's a pity. I don't have my own mailbox, but my landlord has a box in the community mailbox. So I think my mail is relatively safe. Those things are hard to. I don't know if I mentioned, KG, you'll know if I mentioned here in the shed that our neighbor told us that someone was creeping around in our driveway late at night. Mm -hmm. Go on. Yeah. So one neighbor told us that, Hey, somebody pulled their car into your driveway got out, walked to one corner of the house, stood there for a while, walked to another side of the driveway and did some stuff. In your house? Yeah, in front of our house, that's right, at uh, 2.15 in the morning. And so we went across the street to talk to the person firsthand who has the security camera that spotted all this. And they showed us the footage, so we watched. It was a little different than what we had heard, but basically someone had pulled up on the street in front of our house, walked straight down to our mailbox area, and then came right back up, stopped a bit at the car, and then got back in their car and left. 
So now, you know, we're fairly much on edge and we break down and buy a security camera. So within two days, we got a camera up there, had PJ over to kind of scope out where to put it. And once it arrived and I installed it. We're in the balaclava creeping up and down the driveway, (laughs) swiveling my head nervously. So the very first night we get the notification at three in the morning, which we saw once we woke up and it's our newspaper delivery guy. He comes every night at three in the morning, sometimes as early as one 30, sometimes as late as and was it the same guy in the video? Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. And I'm that thinking, must've been a huge I'm load I'm thinking the neighbor right. across the way, like this person comes every night. So why did you like, really? Yeah, that, that is interesting. It's been on your stupid camera every night. Because he's the block watch captain yeah. and he's really into this stuff. And so I'm, I don't know what the heck, but anyway, now we know. Here's my theory. He's only got 10 minutes of video storage in his camera and they get a lot of raccoons in your neighborhood. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so so the newspaper guy got overridden by the subsequent parade of small animals going up and down your driveway. <laughs> so we get notified every morning you get up, you, you see a notification person seen in the driveway. And, and by this funny. point, I've been trained well enough that if a real thief comes, I'll go, yeah, yeah, person, yeah. It's, yeah. He's a newspaper guy. <laughs> and it's not like I'm going to review the video every time, right? That is pretty fun. That's very fun, actually. And I would, had no idea they had to get up so early for that. Jeez. Yeah. I don't think they have to. I think they're, they're probably supposed to deliver by 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., but it's a choice. I, I didn't realize the newspaper's available for distribution that early. But that is pretty fun that you were able to identify the guy as. He does repeat the same pattern too. When he gets back up to his car, he pulls his phone up and does something. And I think that is delivered to that house. Yeah, that address, it right? is. Yeah. So a little app so that they, if you say, hey, I haven't been getting my paper, he can say to the Vancouver Sun, yeah, but I de- definitely yes. distributed it. And I know and, somebody's door cam. That yeah, actually, right. there's proof. That's right. <laughs> and also, I'll bet you that app has GPS built in. So Vancouver Sun gets the yeah. notification yeah. that I delivered it and you're within wow. the GPS distance of that. Well, again, back to kids delivering on bicycles like in uh, Andy of Mayberry, you sort of think, really, all those kids are recording their GPS locations yeah, every time they drop a paper? Yeah. Really? That doesn't yeah. seem too likely, but who knows? It seems like the economics just aren't there though. What for kids to do it anymore? For For newspapers. For the newspaper. Like this whole, we're the, I I think we're the only people on our block. Yeah. I think you are down just down past us, turns around, comes back to us, drops it off and then drives all the way back to the end of the block. I think you're deep into anachronism territory. Oh, we totally are. Sue, for the first time about a week ago said, I don't know if this printed version is worth it. I mean, it's to her great joy every morning, yeah, right? Nice. There's, there's the ritual. You yeah. make the coffee, you get your breakfast, you get that newspaper. Yeah. No, I fully feel <laughs> that. some sound associated with it. I fully, and the smell too. One last thing about things that are shipped. Last night for the first time ever in my life, I got Uber Eats. You guys ever do Uber Eats? I don't believe in it. I think the kids do. Yeah, the kids, my kids do. Well, it was nuts. I don't want to pay them. No, it was a lot. Like 
I got, it was almost $70 and I got about, uh, I think about 45 to $50 worth of food. Like you look at the menu prices. Yeah. But by the time you are done with whatever the shipping charge is or whatever it is, it was almost 70 bucks. I paid 75 uh, two weeks ago for two large pizzas. Yeah. And you just sort of think, Very nice pizzas. Yeah. But I I looked at it. uh, That was after a tip, but uh, it was like $62. I said, $62 for two pizzas? I looked at the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they didn't give you, I'm curious. Do they give you a line item that shows you clearly what you're paying for the uplift? I believe you get emailed something, and I haven't looked closely at my. Because I thought yet. they try and hide that. Yeah. Well, I did. He went to do the receipt and on his little handheld, and it didn't come out. And I said, "Oh, never mind." Yeah. And, uh, you like, sort of think I was probably the thirty-fifth guy today who said, uh, "Never mind." Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's the whole thing. I just thought, well, okay, so. Like you say, food was fine, but next time I'll just hop in the car and go down and get it to go. That's yes. what I, I believe. That's yeah. ridiculous. I just couldn't believe how much. I've also heard that they squeeze the restaurants badly. Yeah, I've heard that too. So there's a kind of like, oh, you know, the first month's free. Well, guess who pays for that? Yeah. And it's I not, first month is free for me right now. Yeah. And it's not Uber Eats paying for that. Yeah. It's the restaurants. And if the restaurants don't agree to Uber Eats, the next thing you know, they, they're not losing business because, yeah. 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 Yeah, so I I'm, I believe I am with you insofar as I don't think I will believe in Uber Eats. As I don't like do. middlemen in general. Yeah. Like they just, a lot of the time they don't add value. They just get some kind of clamp on both ends. Yeah. Where, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff happens too. If you Google a restaurant, you'll often get a site that looks like it's the restaurant site, but it's really one of these delivery Yes, things. had that experience They're tricking too. you. Yep, had that experience. Damn. I'm having a really hard time getting the motivation to go back to uh, White Lotus 2. I watched the first episode, yeah. the beginning of the second one, and I know Adam DeMarco, and I I think it's too similar. I think you're right. It's to start. It, yeah. I, you're just going, oh, well, this is kind of, okay, a bit different characters. And I'm for some reason, I'm not buying F. Murray Abram. Uh-huh. Abrams. Yep. I'm just not... Yeah, his character. But encourage me to move on well, no, or, or like mean, to, to I, watch more or something. Yeah, more. I mean, it does get better as you go and, and it has some amazing scenes in it. Oh. One of my favorite scenes is apparently a tribute to a 1960s movie oh. that I didn't realize while watching it, but mm. I thought that the scene was quite something else. It's the two women head into a different town in, in Sicily and as they walk around, every single man is looking at them. Actually, it's one of the women. There's a scene where she's walking around. She's under the male gaze everywhere. And apparently it's a tribute to one of those, you know, European directors, the exact same scene, exact same place. Oh, cool. Yep. That's always fascinating. I, I think you've got a good read on it, actually. I think it starts out a little bit weaker perhaps. And it uses a lot of the same techniques of visual references, even to the ocean again. 
mm-hmm. back to that ocean with the music. It's instead of having the Hawaiian drums going, it's maybe more of Italian mm-hmm. music or something. Mm-hmm. So they did, they did replicate a lot of stuff. Um, but the story stands on its own. So it, it really becomes quite enjoyable to watch through the okay, whole thing. Well, so maybe if, you, I'll... if you're going to give season one, five stars, you might, you might give season two, four and a half by the time it's over. Oh, okay. Still a very good show. Alrighty. And the Oscars, we PVR'd it and it ended. The PVR ended and the show went on for another Oh, you 45 forgot, minutes. You forgot to add an hour. You always got an add an hour to all award shows. And well, I didn't think events. of it. And, and of course, this year was especially long because they added everything back in, right? Uh, yes. Oh, man. Anyway, we could watch, because it was two nights later, we finally got to it. We could watch the acceptance speeches on YouTube, which we did. <laughs> right, right. But uh, anybody surprised about uh, the song of the year? From RRR? I watched the first third of RRR just last night. Oh, okay. It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. It's worth watching. Well, maybe I'll watch it because yeah. I was really surprised. And I, I, I think that's a real white uh, uh, North American audience, just idea of what the song should be. And you see Rihanna singing the Wakanda song or whatever, yeah. or even Gaga with her close-ups and stuff. And I think, really, that, that Natu Natu was... Well, we talked about um, Oscars So White last session, right? Yeah. And uh, I think the Oscars is trying not to be Oscars So White anymore. So you're getting a lot of call-outs to different cultures or to black culture. Yes. Oh, I, I for sure. For sure. And then they, here they are awarding, you know, RRR gets best song. And it's yeah. an Indian Bollywood style song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And All Quiet on the Western Front is a German movie, and yet it gets nominated for a lot of stuff and yeah, won, yeah. won a couple things for special effects. And well, even I mean, uh, some of the acting awards in uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, mm, not so sure. <laughs> okay, so are you, are you on the side of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis really, maybe not so much? Because that's what I'd heard a lot of people say, really, did she... In- deserve that my director uh, from my short came over the other day and he said hmm jimmy lee curtis really that's exactly <laughs> what, what he get? said i didn't i know she got some but what did she get oh best, best supporting supporting actress i think it was just one of those hey you've been around forever yeah, it's yeah like, i mean it was it, why not just give her the lifetime achievement award it's a rather it, than... she was pretty good i gotta say but really though yeah but anyway, sorry. <laughs> I think they did a pretty good job, though. There was a lot of, in the performance, they had people with hot dog fingers doing the dancing and stuff Yes, like yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, not a good song there. <laughs> oh, come on. That was awful, wasn't it? Just, I didn't think much of it. No. I mean, in the well, movie. It's good for me just to hear what the expressions mean. You've said, I didn't think much of a couple of things in this session today. And, and now I know that's the equivalent of your not good at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes I really mean, actually, I didn't think about it. Uh, yeah. One way or the other. <laughs> I think it just rolled over me. And But when Lady Gaga performed, I thought, she is a good singer. I normally think of her as someone who wears super interesting costumes and has lavish production values. But when she purposely scrubbed her face of makeup, what do they call that? 
unfaced or something. That's a good There's one. A name for it. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> No makeup, Sue says. Hey, there's always makeup. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, and but 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 her te- um, the technical part of that was the ultimate close up, right? Yes, and but, and she, I thought she sang wonderfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't tend to buy or like that kind of music, and I'm going. This is just that was a fantastic performance. What do you and, mean by the ultimate? What was that ultimate close up crack? What was that all about? Well, no, the camera was right up on her face with, with for th- most of the song with a, what apparently had no makeup on it, right? But like this close, I wonder so why her face filled the sixty five inch screen or whatever size yeah. you have. Yeah. Um, uh, didn't it? Wasn't it a reference to her latest album? Or latest videos or whatever that there's something really I don't know oh, I don't know what it was there, oh, okay. there was there it was a reference to something oh okay okay I think they even talked about that in the I don't that just sounds bizarre I mean that, <clears throat> like you say I don't want to see anybody's skin on a 65 inch screen at one foot I do I thought I thought it was great wow yeah, it seemed I, to work um yeah. uh, did you watch the Hugh Grant interview. I did. Oh, I, I didn't. I thought he was fine. Uh, people from Britain are going, what are you talking about? He's just being British. Yeah. Like uh, you don't want to, like, you don't want like to walk down the red carpet and talk about how, yes, 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 I, I did perform that. As a matter of fact, I am wonderful. You know, you don't, like, the Americans want, want you to know. But I, I read something that said, oh, it's just that the interviewer didn't, didn't get the reference and but but then I was talking to uh, Patty A of uh, over by Oak Street, and she said he was just a prick. He he lorded it over her that she didn't get the reference, and he he was a bully. Yeah, do you and remember what the reference was to? I, I Vanity Fair. Yeah, so yeah, so there's there's always a Vanity Fair party after every Oscars, and. She's asking him something about the Oscars, not about the Vanity Fair party. And he said, oh, yes, it is quite a Vanity Fair here, isn't it? Referencing the Thackeray novel and how all these rich people are all whatever. And, of course, she doesn't get that reference whatsoever. And she goes, oh, yeah, that is a nice place to be seen afterwards. And Like, she's just not getting it, right? And I understood right away what he was talking about. The moment he said it, I didn't know anything about the controversy. The moment he said it, I thought, Oh, he's talking about the book. I'll bet you she doesn't even know that. And sure enough, she didn't know that. And did, did you think that he beat on? her up? Afterwards? I thought he was just fine. Oh, okay. And he didn't beat her up at all. She, he didn't mention, he didn't say anything. Oh, I see you didn't get my reference. He didn't say anything like that. Right. Okay. I must watch it. I, maybe if I was him, maybe I would have done a little break the fourth wall and look at the camera, you know, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like in the office Jeez. would do, you know, like you guys see what's happening. She doesn't know what's happening. Whoa. I thought it was fine. I mean, what is this? You know, like uh, the entertainment tonight kind of people are so vapid anyway. I mean, I think they're, I think it's fine to, to poke fun at them. I'm all on Hugh Grant's side and the British people are as a whole, they're not the kind of people are, Oh yes. I'm fa-. She asked him what he's wearing. He's like, I don't know. Some guy, <laughs> right? <laughs> he could have tried a little harder for that one. <laughs> he could have been become his Hugh Grant personality and charmed her. Oh, right, he didn't right. do any of the charm. I'm going to charm you and uh, be self-deprecating here and, and somewhat bumbling. 
Huh. I Well, I just didn't invest a moment. I saw some of the outcomes in social media and I, I just skimmed by it. I just... Um, yeah, I rather enjoyed it this year. Yeah, I, I thought Jimmy Kimmel was good. Um, but same thing. In the week earlier, Lucy said, Oscars on Sunday? And I didn't even answer her. Like I thought, eh, you know, well, if you really want to. It's kind of fun to watch together. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Because you can pause and do commentary too. Yeah. And it's, uh, um, it's usually a family thing and Susan wasn't here. So I think the kids wanted to, oh, oh. dad's all alone. We should go. Dad. <laughs> dad's all alone, not at the Oscars again. Yes. <laughs> now the Junos on the other hand was terrible. Oh, and we, we just fast forwarded through that and let's do that. I yeah. just don't, I, mm. Juno's is the Canadian one. music. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm just. Get Nickelback. off the fucking stage. Nickelback won. to the topless protest. Oh, oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You got to see better view of that in some of the photos after, but the camera, the, the producers spotted what was going on. And kept the cameras way back. Uh, so now you're seeing all the fans and Avril Lavigne. And this little tiny And naked. someone next to her, which if you didn't know, like I'd already known by the time we watched, I knew something was going on there. So I was watching for it. But yeah, she says, get off the fucking stage. <laughs> something like that. Gotta go Avril. Go Avril. Go Canada. I am just, I got to get out more. That's quite clear. No, you just have different interests. I mean, I really am not the least interested in hockey games, for example. I only watch the highlights. Yeah, but you talk at length about them. Yeah. You're very interested in them. You and Sue get going, or you and Moby sometimes. An hour later, I'm looking at my watch. I watched a bit of last night's game today. Yeah. I only watched, I, I see the oh. headlines in the morning. And if Canucks wins, then I can watch it. If they don't win, I'm not terribly interested. Yeah. Oh, and we were behind, right? 2-1? I don't know. No, they're ahead 2-1. <clears throat> Got tied. Oh, yeah. Overtime shootout. When we win, I'm suddenly interested. I guess mm. that's, I have that in common with you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it hurts too much when they lose. But. Oh, I don't care about them. Under the new coach, they've been doing pretty well. Haven't they? Yeah. The last time I saw Sue of Burnaby, I was mentioning that I've got to stop listening to uh, 6.50 AM because that's the Canucks yeah. radio and, and not this last Wednesday, but the Wednesday, I think maybe it was this last, went into hockey. Hi guys. How you doing? Am I ever glad the trade deadline has passed? So I don't have to hear any more of the constant, endless, endless churning speculation about various strategies that Canucks management could pursue to unload this guy, to pick up that guy, the relative value of draft choices. Yeah, but yeah, but it just, oh, for heaven's sakes, it's over. I don't have to hear that. Now, it's just, let's finish out the year. Now, the only fun thing left for me is at the beginning of the year, lots of people said they're just going to finish in the middle of the pack. They're not going to get a good draft pick. They're not going to make the playoffs. And that's exactly what's happening. And all this whole year, there's been conversations. Oh, they should tank for Bedard, you know, tank for the top generational talent guy. They're not doing that. They're going along. They're going to finish in the middle of the pack. They won't make the playoffs. 
and next year they'll have a similarly pick. uncompetitive team, just as they did this year. But they certainly the have the the new coach bump right now, don't they? <laughs> don't you think? Yeah, they're doing. They're what is it? Five wins in a row, or some crazy thing like that? Yeah, five out of six. Yeah, five out of six. Yeah, they won four in a row, lost their fifth, and then won again last night. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is the new coach bump. Or the different team or the different players. It's different players and it's supposedly true that he's added a whole bunch of structure. I just don't know how true that is. Sue says that sometimes the players write this time of year because there's going to be trades or something that they'll try their hardest. Yeah, they turn on the Jets, yeah. Mm. Because they might be more appealing to another team. Yeah, uh, the whole thing. I mean, that's why I don't invest very much emotional energy in them because yeah. it's a business, right? No, I don't. It's so for me, it's win-win, you know, if they do badly, I just stop paying attention yeah. and watch <laughs> the Oscars. <laughs> if they win, then I'm a big fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm feeling good. I'm high five and Sue's just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoy watching them. I have tons of opinions, uh, but I really do only watch the highlights and I, I, I really have been cutting back on the amount of 650 I listen to in the car because they just recycle the same three ideas 80,000 billion times. And it's just, nah, mm. don't need that. Mm. The intro to this episode, I talk about, we hope to talk to you soon. Don't forget about that. Do talk to <laughs> us soon. Send us a note. Call us if you got our numbers. We're dying to hear from you. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. We've had a pretty good time in here. And listen, you don't hear, buddy. He's gone all quiet again. That's awesome. Take care of yourselves. Say goodnight, boys. Goodnight, boys. Snip, snip, buddy.